Hi, this is Jennifer Zeman, your host of The Food That Binds. Today, I am joined by Megan Splon. It's hard to say what Megan is. I'll let her <laughs> introduce herself because she wears so many hats. But primarily right now, she is the host of Didn't I Just Feed You, which is a super fun podcast about how to feed your household. Hi, Megan. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Could you introduce yourself and please like go on and on and on um, for people who might not know who you are? Sure. My name is Megan Splon. I have a really hard time saying what my job is. I find it's very um, fluid, but I am the co-host of a weekly podcast called Didn't I Just Feed You, which is all about feeding families. I am a longtime food editor. I worked for thekitchen.com for five years, where I primarily wrote um, instructional cooking content and family cooking content. And before that, I worked for Alton Brown. It's actually how I ended up in Atlanta by accident, which is like a fun and funny story. And I am a mom of two and I live in Chattanooga these days with my husband. And you're back in the South. You were not in the South um, for a second. So how's that? How's it being back it's in the South? <laughs> It's good. It's complex. I think we, so we left Atlanta. We lived in Atlanta for 12 years. I came from, from culinary school in Vermont to Atlanta and was like, oh, I'm going to live there for six months to, cause I was an intern for Alton before I was hired full time. And then I lived there for 12 years and my husband lived in the South his entire life. And so he's like, I want to go out West. I want to have that experience of like leaving my home. So we moved to Boise, Idaho, because I had a little bit of family there. Um, it's a very beautiful and like growing city. And because my husband's in film, he felt like he would have the opportunity to like work in a different capacity there. And so we lived in Boise for almost five years. And then just about two years ago, we moved back and we were looking in the Atlanta area and in Chattanooga and we just fell in love with our house. I mean, it's like good because we're close to family, but also hard because we're close to family and like relatively <laughs> close, right? Like it's a two hour drive to Atlanta. So we don't see our family as much as we could or should. And like, everyone's busy with kids and soccer and family life. Um, but my in-laws are in Chattanooga. And so I have like support and childcare, which is huge. huge. And then there's just stuff that I missed. Like there's not Publix in Idaho. And I really enjoy going to Publix and being able to buy Duke's mayonnaise whenever I need it. So it's good. I'm glad to be back in the South. And um, that's how I knew you just kind of like through your Southern connection through Alton Brown and then through social media. But I mean, you have always been for me, you know, a very big name in the food space. I mean, you said that, you know, it's kind of hard to describe what you do because you do wear so many hats, um, yes. which I think is amazing about you. Would you say that now you primarily do the podcast or are you still doing some of the recipe professional work that you were doing in the past? Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's changed even just in the beginning of 2023. Like I would say in 2022, I was more like a culinary producer. Um, so I was creating content, not just like written recipes, but like short form video content, photo content for a handful of clients, um, as well as doing some like web management for the grill dads who I have had a working relationship with since I was in Idaho, because one of them lives there, their food network hosts as well. Um, 
and they produced a cook like in 2021 we worked on a cookbook that came out in 2022 so culinary producers like this very broad and big term but it includes everything from like cookbook project management to making tiktoks and instagrams and producing recipes um and I still do some freelance writing, but not as much as I was doing when I was working for Kitchen full time. It's kind of like whatever I have an interest in or, you know, editors will reach out and be like, would you like to write about chicken nugget salad? Because I still get um, a lot of family friendly food assignments. So, well, speaking of family friendly, um, your podcast, Didn't I Just Feed You, which I feel I really didn't know that part of adulting was going to be figuring out what's for dinner every single night. Not and just then, dinner, but like also uh, breakfast and like day. lunch, even if you're making the decision to like do school lunch for your kids and snacks, like multiple snacks a day. It's like we tabulated ones and it's something like 1,000 85 meals a year and no, that's not even like, <laughs> that's not even inclu- including like off snacks or like when you make a decision about dessert or treats around holidays it's a it's so much can you tell listeners though about your podcast i i just i love it you know because i'm a oh, mom mm-hmm. but just as a food person i love yeah it too. i also like to say we like to say it's for busy home cooks and i think that this is like a great conversation to have with you because you're a mom and you're also in the food space but like um food media has done a kind of a poor job of taking care of families, representing families, especially as what is a family has changed from like two parents, two kids and a dog sort of format. Like a family is two people. A family can be one person. So to continue to write recipes that feed four to six that are fit and that makes them family friendly is kind of crap and like a disservice. So yeah. Old really, fashioned in a way, really. Well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't I just use a weekly podcast I host with another mom who is also a longtime food editor and in the food content space, Stacey Bellis. And we really do cover everything from like picky eating to school lunches to how to make nachos into dinner or like how to make chili for chili haters. And we say it's for busy home cooks because that's really what family cooks are, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then people who don't identify as like, they, they don't think they have a family maybe because they just have their partner, but like that is a family. You still are a busy home cook if you're working and you're feeding, you know, all the people in your household. Um, so we try to service, not just parents, although our audience is primarily moms. We try to service all different kinds of home cooks by offering everything from like same picky eating advice to talking about how to make the best meatballs. Um, and, and just like this is today, but if you were like to look back, when did you know that food was going to be like a thing for you? Like, was there like a moment as a kid, like a dish or sometime when you were like, Oh, like this is more than just something I like to eat. Yeah, it's so, uh, so such a good question. And there's sort of like two stories. And depending on the audience, I tell a different one. <laughs> tell both. <laughs> okay. Um, one is that I grew my parents are divorced. They've been divorced since I was a very like like a baby, basically. And so one story I tell is that I really started cooking because I lived with a single mom who was on a budget and I just got really tired of hamburger helper. Like I wanted something outside of that. And so it started, I started cooking 
by like turning on the slow cooker or putting something my mom had prepped in the oven. And then that slowly turned into like making skillet fajitas instead of making like a boxed meal. But the other side of that is that my dad has been a restaurant cook and a restaurateur since I was little. So I also had the experience of when I would go see him, like I'd stay summers with him or I'd stay winter vacations with him. I was thrown into the the restaurant business in a lot of ways. Like I remember being a little kid, like first grade kindergarten and being dropped off at my dad's Italian restaurant in Reno, Nevada, which is like such a weird memory to have. And like drinking Shirley Temple's at the bar because the bar wasn't open yet, but I had to be like hanging out there until he was able to leave and like drop me up off with my stepmom. Um, so, and I have like so many wonderful and fun food memories with my dad where both my dad and my grandfather where they would they would push like my dad was like oh what's a vegetable you don't think you like to eat and i'd be staying with him for the weekend i'd be like oh brussels sprouts and so he would like butter boil brussels sprouts in like garlic and cream and of course like no one's gonna turn down brussels sprouts. <laughs> garlic and cream no often no, no, no. in this beautiful like bath of butter right or my one of my favorite memories is my staying with my grandfather because my dad was working and him being like, you can have anything you want for dinner. And this is like in a little town in Vermont. And I'm like, oh, I've never had lobster before. And so he makes this big production of like, we go to get lobsters and they're like main lobsters. And he makes like the drawn butter and all the things to go with it. And we literally eat them on like TV trays in their living room. And it's just such a great juxtaposition of like, he was willing, he was excited about food enough to like do whatever it took to get me excited too. But then also the lowbrow of like, we're sitting in the living room on TV trays on like the plastic covered couches eating this lovely lobster. So food, always, I think even though in high school I was like, oh, I want to go into art or design. Um, I, it really like ended up coming back to food once I left the house and like, wasn't, I was working in restaurants, but not for my dad that I was like, oh, I think I should go to culinary school and see where that takes me. And then it's like incredibly funny to me that I got a baking and pastry degree. Cause I was like, I'm going to open a little bakery. <laughs> and then I accidentally got into food media, like truly accidentally. Uh, you and I met through Tammy cook, oh my because, God. right? Like That's that right. was many, so. many, mm -hmm. many moons ago, a cook's warehouse at like an event uh so long ago but she came to the new england culinary the new england culinary institute where i was a student and they advertised it as like oh you can talk to this culinary producer and so i went in just being like wait what is that <laughs> and asking her all these questions and then like later she calls me and she's like so we're interviewing for an internship would you like to do that and i was like wait I didn't know that I was interviewing. And then that turned into my full-time job after the internship. And like, what is your relationship like with food today? Oh, it's, it's messy. <laughs> same, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to talk more about this on social media. I, and I think 
that someone it's probably not me because I'm not in the place to do that could do a deep dive that'll that many of us who are in food whether it's in restaurants or food media have sort of like a disordered relationship with Mm -hmm. food my mom was always on a diet when I was a kid and that heavily influenced me and so I'm as a a grown-up with an 11 year old daughter who's also like starting to understand her own body image and her own relationship with food i'm always kind of fumbling through it even though i love love it so much i also have an 11 year old daughter and like literally like body image has become something that we're dealing with and i like your mother have always been on a diet because i love food and um you know, I don't know how to stop eating it because I love, I don't know what that word for Japanese in Japanese is. That just means like mouth joy, but I really like the mouth joy of eating. Um, but I really resonated on this topic with something that you posted on your stories or something. And it, it was your cookie jar and it was like, I'm, I like to keep the cookie jar full. They don't have to be homemade. They can be like Nestle Toll House, whatever the fun cookie is, the kids, but you want to show the kids that you trust that they know their body. And, and I really felt that because I try, that's, that's something I struggle with. We all have, you know, I think messed up relationships with food and the whole like good and bad. I was good. Yes. So I, you know, I was bad. So I should be good. Um, I really want to try and disrupt that as well. And I love that you're trying to do that with your kid. I mean, breaking that cycle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is hard when you're like, I don't, do I trust myself with the cookie jar? Some, sometimes I don't, um, <laughs> if I'm being honest, oh, me I, either. No, I'm laughing because yeah. I resonate. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Cause there's also this thread in didn't, in didn't I just feed you where Stacy and I have talked over the years, like we have one episode that's like about us talking about it's okay if you want to lose weight, because I think there's also mm-hmm. a little bit of pushback in recent years, like the anti-diet movement sometimes feels very black or white where it's like, no, I want to like, I want to have balance and that can sometimes feel like a diet, but like, and on the outside, yes, it is like, if you're changing how you eat, you, it is a diet, but also like, I have to consider that my work involves me eating and that I also have this like emotional relationship to food. Um, so it's really been interesting to like have those conversations with Stacy, And then like, now they live on the internet and I'm like, oh, I would go back and del- I listened to the weight loss episode and I cringe. I'm like, I would go back and delete that because how I felt three years ago, before my daughter was where she's at with her own body image is so different from how I feel now. And so it's very interesting to be like muddling through raising her with raising both my son and my daughter with Mm -hmm. positive body image. And then also there's always food and we, we love through food and we celebrate through food and and reward through food, which I know is like, you know, on paper, not great, but it is, the reality of our work but that is your medium right you know like art like if you are an artist or a designer like food is your medium so it makes sense like I would imagine that a painter would probably celebrate you know by creating as well um but I do I do that is my next question you just led into it right (laughs) right away it's very easy making this seamless but how does food play a role in the way that you parent 
um, the way that, you know, you just operate within your family, even with your husband, with your, yeah. your friends. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's everything, <laughs> which again, like maybe that is disordered. I think there are people who genuinely don't commune over food or communicate via food, but like, mm -hmm. When we moved to Chattanooga, we became friends with another family that ride, gets on the same bus stop as us because the mom loves to cook and she's gluten-free and dairy-free and egg-free, but like she makes the very best sauces. So anytime we get together, it's like, what sauce are we making to go on this? So it's even in my friendships outside of my family. My husband is the resident dishwasher at... Yes. With which is great. And also like complex because I'm the default cook. I make all the decisions from like where we grocery shop to what the grocery budget is to what we're eating most nights. And that can lead to some like cooking fatigue. Uh, but also he's, he's like happy to eat whatever is put in front of him. So it's really wonderful. And then there is like push pull because he doesn't identify as a food person. Like he loves food, but it's not, he doesn't constantly think about it the way that you and I do. My husband's uh, the same way. He's, he will eat whatever. He's very happy, but yes, he's, like, he's also happy at Jack in the box. You know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And then there, and I can imagine like for the two of you, it's a little bit more complex too, because you have a blended family, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because there are arguments, there are disagreements about how we feed our kids or like what the rules and parameters that we set around meal times are mm -hmm. and try, trying to create some autonomy in our kids and respect that like they just might not like what's for dinner some nights and like that's okay because they're like fully human some nights I don't even like what's for dinner <laughs> or like I want to feel that sometimes yeah. I make it and I'm like this was not the thing at all. You just have to use the ingredients, but then it's there and right. nobody's like, into it. Or like if I put something on the meal plan and that doesn't sound good tonight, I have the power as the resident cook to be like, oh, I'm actually going to move up Thursday's dinner and make that tonight because that sounds better to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, where they don't have that power. The mm -hmm. only power they have is like when they get to the table to be like, yeah, no, I'm not eating those. <laughs> and like, can we get a bowl, a bowl of cereal kind of thing? And and my husband really struggles with that because he, like me, he grew up with like lower income family. And it was kind of like, whatever's on the table, mm -hmm. what you eat, there's not, a, there's not a room for negotiating. So we like probably once a week are having like some sort of sideline disagreement about how we're handling some part of feeding our kids. But I am also grateful because he does try to take the, take my lead and like get in line with it, even if it's challenging for him. Mm -hmm. Do you find do you guys have that? Because I think ours is more like around tech use with dinner. Okay. Like, yeah. I've got a real like want to, cause I realize how bad it is to have tech. Like I try to really have our family's dinners be without tech and you know, he will let his kid, but I'm lucky that my stepdaughter eats everything. Like she like is a better eater than my biological kid. <laughs> like, she, like she'll eat like sopa de mariscos, like at a Mexican restaurant. She's really a good eater. 
Um, I have good eaters. I was not. I mean, I all I wanted was pizza and burgers when I was yeah. a kid. I was awful for my mom. I really was. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. She'd make like lamb and I'd be like, no. No. And so we, how did she handle that? I, I'm asking so that I, I'm like, how many different ways are they to handle? I, that's why I started cooking. I yeah. Think, because like I would go and make myself like, cause we always had, cause we're of Mexican descent. We always had corn tortillas. So mm-hmm. I like with every meal. So I would like go get some like cheese and make like a cheddar cheese taco. Right. <laughs> and like, I think, I think that's okay. Do you feel okay when your daughter, yes, like my daughter, when she's not that? into it, she goes and like, we have like these noodles that we get from super H are like yakisoba and she loves yakisoba and she can make herself that safely or like a fried egg. Like I'm trying to let, and I want her to be able to nourish herself. So as long as it's not something that was taking a lot of time and effort and it's a special meal, I'll let her do that once a week. Yeah. Give her some agency. Yeah. yeah. It's kind mm-hmm. of nice. And then it's really interesting to see what they choose and their mm-hmm. satisfaction with mm-hmm. that. Like the, it happened the other night and my daughter just had a bowl of Cheerios instead of what was served. And she was like, that was perfect. And she left <laughs> the table. She still was like at the family mm-hmm. table and she left the table so satisfied. And I'm like, I actually deeply, deeply relate to that. There are some nights where like a cold, crunchy bowl of cereal is so, so satisfying. Yes. I like cheese toast. I like like American cheese on toast. It's really boring, but it makes me very happy. No, it's Um, very satisfying. And also I think it's like, you know, it's like it makes dinner time more pleasant. I mean, something that we've both, you know, connected with over social media and we don't have to talk about this if you don't want. It's just mental health. Um, you and I are, we both try to put ourselves out there. Like I have severe panic disorder, um, you know, and I try to put it out there, which always feels very vulnerable, but it feels, I think really relevant, especially in the culinary industry. Right. Um, can you talk about if you feel comfortable? Why? Oh, I love. I okay. love to talk okay, about good. it. Is that Me weird? No, no, I do too. I, I like therapy. It's a very, and it's very <laughs> nuanced and very like push and pull sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. some seasons I want to talk about it a little bit less. And I'm, I'm, I actually feel critical of myself that I'm not sometimes able to share in real time. Like mm-hmm. I've spent the last couple of weeks in sort of a depressive episode, which for me, is is normal it's part of my generalized anxiety and depression diagnosis mm-hmm. um and there are lots of ways that i've managed that over the years including prescriptions lots of therapy i would i would say i probably had some form of gad from like teen years that it's like very hormonally related and also connected to food too because in my teens, I had a lot of like disordered eating where I just was not eating enough. And as an adult, I recognize that that leads to depressive and anxious episodes for me. I think everybody's body is a little bit different. And then I had terrible postpartum with both of my children. Like I had like really to the point where it in deciding to have more children, that was a consideration. Like, can I survive the postpartum, the three to four months it takes me to, to hand, to deal with that and like actually make a connection with my babies. Um, and then I think like moving across the country, I think working in food media at a very high volume outlet kitchen is very, very high volume. They're publishing, you know, 25 to 35 recipes a week in addition to other content. And even though it's remote work, there is sort of this expectation that you can work all the time. 
And a lot of like what I would share online, like on Instagram would also like sometimes editors would be like, oh, I love that. Like, I love that little piece of your life. Let's turn that into content. Um, That coupled with the pandemic really led me to have like pretty severe burnout, like where I just was stressed all the time. And that was actually a big part of why we moved back so that my husband could work more in Atlanta and that I could leave working full, full full-time. So it's, it's like an ongoing, and I think the last 18 months to two years of like being in Chattanooga, I've had a lot of healing, but then I still have these periods where I feel low or I feel incredibly anxious and I have to look at what I'm eating, like how I'm feeding myself, how I'm taking care of myself in general. Um, because that can be the biggest way, the fastest way for me to feel like myself again. Hmm. Like how, like, because I think, I think this is interesting because I think what, when I don't take care of myself or like, you know, I wait too long to eat, I definitely like get more anxious or depressed. Like what do you find in terms of nourishing yourself is bad and what is good? Like when you're in these episodes, are you just eating shit, you know, and, and not, Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think more often than not, I'm not eating enough. And like, I think that there, some of that, um, is like my hormones or my wiring where I'm like having bad hunger cues because I have like low level anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes when I'm like having a depressive episode or like a down day, Mm -hmm. my only goal is to just, and this is coupled with my like disordered eating too, like just eat enough, like have three meals and a snack and not avoid eating and like eating, even if I, um, don't feel necessarily hungry, but like, I need to get through the rest of the day that helps like with the anxiety a lot. No, it's interesting. Cause like I get, when I get super stressed, I don't eat sometimes, which never used to be the case. Cause I used to be on the opposite end um, of emotional eating. I would like eat too much. Um, yes. And, and, but I notice that maybe sometimes I just need a snack. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, like a Snickers commercial. Yes. <laughs> and like my daughter, she will get annoyed with me sometimes because when she, cause I see in her, like the, the mood swings of being a preteen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, when she's upset about something, she, she'll get insulted. Cause I'll be like, are you hungry? Do you need a snack? Yes. <laughs> but I do that also to my husband yeah. who has, who has um, an ADHD diagnosis. And I know from living with him that his hunger cues are really bad. And so sometimes he'll be grouchy and we'll start to get in an argument. And I'll be like, I will talk to you about whatever this pain point is, but only after you've had a snack, because sometimes that's like the very first part of it is like just dealing with your basic human needs before you address your emotional needs. So I'm not necessarily trying to like eat very healthfully when I'm feeling sad. I'm just trying to make sure I eat enough. And then if I can eat in a balanced way and like not have binge eating episodes of like eating all the cookies in the cookie Mm -hmm. jar, I feel like I can be pretty stable and steady for a long time outside of like also being on an anti-depressant or an anti-anxiety medicine. Yeah. No, yeah. that's key. I just went up on mine because I needed it right now. Yeah. Really I think it's, like, <laughs> it's 
<laughs> it's interesting. I feel like it's it's like yes and both. People are like, oh, do you manage your mood through like your diet and exercise? And it's like, yes, and also. Yes, and therapy. <laughs> and making sure like I go on walks for my stupid mental health, as I like to say on the TikToks. Yes. Um, but but nourishing yourself is really important. And I think, you know, in terms of being a mother, I think sometimes we nourish them, but we don't put it back on right. ourselves. Um, what do you, when you want comfort, what yeah. do you cook for yourself? Okay. I'm a baker by heart. So a lot of times starting with like, okay, I'm going to bake, whether it's just like classic chocolate chip cookies or making a batch of biscuits or recently I've been really into popovers again, like making a batch of popovers. Your biscuits are like otherworldly though, that your whole Megan is baked. I love that. (laughs) It's really interesting. I've like pulled back from sharing biscuits. This is like a whole side journey. I pulled back from sharing biscuits on Instagram because I, it's a weird question of my like food identity and where I fit into like Southern food culture and also black food culture. Mm -hmm. And like the woman, Erica council, Mm -hmm. who now, yes, who now owns bomb ask biscuits bomb ass biscuits which is amazing and you should go for brunch if you have not been or breakfast yeah it's on on my list too the next time we're in atlanta um she really taught me a lot of what i know about biscuits and so but it it is interesting without me doing anything it is my like if you type my name into google it automatically autofills biscuits like that is my most searched recipe on kitchen it's my most searched recipe on didn't i just feed you.com um, it's really, really very interesting, but baking is like feeding my soul. If I'm just like trying to nourish myself, I love, this is so like toddler. I love like a little snack platter, like you are adult, the queen of a snack platter. I do love your snack platters <laughs> An adult lunchable. Mm-hmm. Like yes. I'll do like hummus and olives and cucumbers and like club crackers and sharp cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. And that's very satisfying. Um, and makes me feel like myself. I love breakfast, anything with a fried egg or like fried and potatoes, breakfast potatoes. Um, those are the things I lean into when I'm having a hard time feeding myself. I'll like make a big batch of roasted potatoes so that I can do like breakfast tacos during the week. I also am not above a bagged salad. I feel like it's so I love a bagged salad. I love a bagged salad. And like that with any kind of protein we have in the house is just a really easy way to feel like satisfied from a flavor standpoint and also like nourished on a physical level too. But that's what I think I've always liked about not only your recipes professionally, but just your posts is that like you find ways like with bag salad to cut, you know, some sort of step out so you can have more enjoyment. I mean, like, I mean, I've I've really gotten a lot from you in that regard. I mean, we do bag salad. I love that big thing of Costco. That's like that slaw. We don't use, we don't use the dressing, but like we use everything else. You know, I feel like there's a lot of value in finding ways to make life easier um, on ourselves and our families. (laughs) Especially if we get back to where we were, where it's like, you have to make a thousand decisions about Mm -hmm. feeding your family. If like, you can not have to decide what all the components of the salad are, that's already decided for you. Mm -hmm. That relieves a lot of decision fatigue for many people. Yeah. Especially if you're like 
you and me who are not only just doing the meal plan, but the shopping and then executing the cooking and all of that, then plus right. everything else. Right. Yeah. It's and then you're, and then your work, like you're making decisions about what products you're going to write about, like mm-hmm. for your day job, or like you're making decisions about what recipes to develop, what it's a lot of micro decisions about food. Yeah. I would like, that's what I think I miss most about childhood people making decisions for me. Yes. It is one of my favorite luxuries and it's one of those <laughs> things. What I Do you have the experience of when people invite you over and they understand what you do in your work that they feel self-conscious about what they are serving to you or like make comments? People just don't that? invite me over for dinner, I think. Yeah. I don't remember. It was like some article. My friend and I were trying to find it, some food writer. And it's like, literally just invite me for Stouffer's lasagna and I'll be happy because right. you're doing it for me. It's yes. that act. It's not the food. It's the act. Yes. Right? People say, like people have made comments where they're like, oh, I feel weird serving you, whatever it is. My, mm-hmm. my enchiladas where it's like canned enchilada sauce. And I'm like, no, I like, I understand all the work that you put in to yes. get like to even having that canned enchilada sauce in your house. Like I love whatever you put in front of me and it's probably tastier because I didn't have to cook it myself. <laughs> Just being relaxed makes everything more delicious. It really, really, de- it really yes. does. Yeah. Um, so what are you working on right now? Like if you wanted to promote anything going on where people can find you? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. I I took January off. So it's a weird and interesting little like lead up into the year. I mean, didn't I just feed you as back? We started publishing new episodes in February and we also have this really great community that I love that you can sign up for at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. But it's like a message board. We have access to new recipes every week that we create every week that are either things that our audience has asked for or that we've talked about in episodes. And in that community, we also have two additional episodes every month that you can buy via a supporting membership. Um, didn't I just feed you is like real, it's been really fun. And this year there just feels like there's more meat to it. Which season is this? I don't know. We lost track. (laughs) It's a lot, right? You have a lot of episodes. Yeah. um, We just recorded 232. Yeah. We started in 2018 and then we did do seasons and we took more breaks. And so I think we had like a season one and then season two has just been perpetual for like four (laughs) years now Um, (laughs) but last year we introduced two new series that i really love um we do every other week an episode called what we're cooking and eating now where we literally just share like we each stacy and i each share three recipes that we've cooked for our family the week before and we usually share links to those recipes nice and we kind of like review them like i recently made grace elkis's um she was a writer at kitchen and now she write as a freelance writer she was writing for simply recipes these like tofu nuggets i have mm. an obsession with crispy tofu and my kids like crispy tofu and it's very intense like are those the ones that are ripped apart so they get on nubbly mm. yeah and then you freeze them so that which changes the texture and then you marinate them before you're like shallow frying them and they were so so good but like so much more effort than what I normally do, which is like tear the tofu apart, toss it with some cornstarch, salt and pepper, and then just do like a quick little pan fry. Mm-hmm. Um, so we give those honest reviews where we're like, I made this, but I'm never making this ever again. <laughs> or like, 
three out of four of people in our house ate this. And so that means it's a winner and a keeper and we'll do it again. So I love, I love the, what we're cooking and eating now episodes. And so does our audience. And then we also started doing, um, how we feed, we call the series and we do it about once a month where we have someone who has an, um, family structure that's outside of ours. Cause we're both like partnered and have kids mm-hmm. or, um, like, so we've had like a single mom and a foster mom next week. We have Casey Davis, who I don't know if you know her. She, um, is on Instagram as at struggle care and on TikTok as at the domestic blister. Okay. I'll check it out. She is a therapist who is an adult diagnosis of ADHD. And she talks about how to like feed your family and like take care of your laundry when you're neurodivergent. Um, and she's neurodivergent. So we'll definitely, (laughs) I have ADD and anxiety because after we talked to her, I was like, I might need to go get like, uh, do the test with my therapist about ADD or ADHD. Um, so she's talking to us about like how she feeds her family as someone with adult ADHD and, Mm -hmm. um, all those things, the hunger cues, the, the mental roadblocks, and was really interesting and informative from like a recipe writing standpoint, because when we talk about like what food media doesn't provide to families, it's also a little bit of that. Like we're not considering when you're in a recipe on your phone Mm -hmm. and both your kids are asking for homework help, like how annoying it is to scroll up from the instructions Mm -hmm. to the ingredient list to look at like what the amount is in when you're like in step seven, eight of the recipe. So I love how we feed and our, our audience seems to really resonate with those as well. And it's a great exploration of like, what, what does family food look like in 2022, 2023? It's not, I mean, it's, it, there's so many, like you said, like I would consider even a family, just a married couple, right. Right. Or even just a partnered couple. Yes. Um, that's really interesting. And I, I definitely encourage our listeners to go ahead and listen to, didn't I just feed you and find everything else that Megan has done. I do have one more question for you, which just uh, popped up while we were sitting here, um, about scrolling through recipes. This is like an ongoing discussion I have with like my group of girlfriends that are not in the food space. They Mm -hmm. hate reading through personal stories before they have to get to the I know. Isn't that like a whole meme? It's like a whole trope now, like all over. Like what is, can, can, can you explain why we have to do that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to put this in somewhere. No, but I just, I mean, I feel like it's valuable, obviously, as someone who develops recipes, you know, but there's a big backlash. Okay. So it, one. If you joined and I just feed you as a supporting member, like our community, we only put like less than 300 words of head notes and it's only allowed to be useful, like how you can adapt it because we're trying to serve busy home cooks, but it's also behind a paywall. So we don't really have to worry about where Google ranks us in terms of SEO. Now for five years at kitchen, I wrote instructional cooking content, like the, like how to debone a chicken thigh, which really it should be just the instructions in our, in our minds as like busy home cooks. But because we have to compete with these huge websites and within like Google search rankings, the body, all that backstory, all that information that is actually like in two places, it's in those lengthy head notes and in the recipe. 
are really just so that you can find the recipe. Like it is about Google search ranking um, and Google actually wants all of those weird things that you're like, why is there a heading about like which type of scissors I need to buy <laughs> for deboning? Cause that's what Google guys. tells us to do. <laughs> because that is literally what Google has prescribed and shown ranks. And like, we also want to capture the people who are trying to find out what are the best kitchen shears. Mm -hmm. So it really is like not our fault. <laughs> it's Google's fault. We're trying to make you like help you find our content. You know? Yeah, yes, that's really yes. what it is. And also well, for many food bloggers, for many food websites, that's how they make money in order to provide that on the surface free content. Like, and that's why you have to scroll past ads to get between the instructions and the ingredient list. I, I yeah, I think there's a time and place for personal stories mm -hmm. within recipes. And I hope that that never goes away. I hope that there's nothing that Google changes where it's like just blobs of right. content. But, but Megan, thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, I'm a big fan and I really thank hope you. that people go and find you and everything that you do. Well, that's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Megan for joining us. Uh, if you want to keep up with me, you can find me as Jennifer Zeman or the food that binds on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if if you want to rate and review the podcast or even subscribe, it helps other people find me and you can do so wherever you pick this up in the Apple store, Spotify, what have you. Again, thanks for listening and we'll be joined next week by John T. Edge.